We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 110. This is the post-Christmas, middle of Hanukkah, hungover Bronx Pinstripes edition of the podcast. Scott, what's up? I'm in true podcast form. I feel like an actual, like a, a real-life podcaster. I'm recording from my sister's basement. So it is, it is, it is legitimately a, uh, a basement podcast now. So, yeah, we've, we've hit the big time. Excellent. I'm... I'm recording from my parents' fourth bedroom, so where, where are you? A little bit of a step up from your sister's basement, but I don't know. It's, it's a nice finished basement. I mean, it's a. I'm in her office, so it's a. It's a okay. legitimate space. It's not. I nope. mean, the basement. I think I. I need to give it a little bit more explanation because it's not. I'm not like in like a dungeon, like a dungeon. It's not like that. Are you in Rhode Island? Like you, I'm in Rhode Island. Yes, I have been here for about four days now, and I think I exceeded my family time 48 hours ago yet i'm still here so you're at your capacity and then some <laughs> yeah i went over and then i kind of came back around last night and and then but this morning i'm ready to get out of here i am uh but i had to stick around so we could record this podcast yeah no cool and i'm in princeton New Jersey, where my sister lives so i've done i mean I've been up and up and down New jersey this past week in the city it's just you know i hit i hit like 15 different Family members, so it's a it's a nice ping pong around 
usually that's exactly so we're what actually closer we're actually closer in distance than we normally are yes yes we are still not in the same place no, no. one time that's a spring training event yeah and uh we recorded two I, I think so so have we only recorded two of the 110 episodes in person does it count if we don't remember one of them because <laughs> because i know one i know for half. sure we did one there's some video somewhere of one of them. Yeah, it's like the lost archives. Right. That, that, I, that ruined my computer and I spent like $40 on some stupid program. So, do you have a good holiday? I uh, did. Little three day weekend, four day weekend? Yeah, no, it was nice. It's good to see family. Um, I, I think because I've, I've spread it out with, with different people over the days that I'm actually not at capacity yet. I'm like, I'm in a good, I'm in a good space. So there's a lot of kids running around too. That helps matter. So you're, there's a lot of time spent with kids. And I don't know if you saw the, um, the, the little greeting I put out from my niece, Layla, on Twitter and Instagram. But I had her say, happy, happy or Merry Christmas, Yankees fans. <laughs> it was so funny because she said, uh, Merry Christmas, Mankees cans. And uh, I thought it was adorable. So <laughs> I put it out. You didn't get her to say Happy Hanukkah? No, because it was Christmas and we were celebrating Christmas. And Hanukkah. Oh, it's also she, Hanukkah, though. She couldn't even. I know, but in our house it was Christmas, and she she there's, she couldn't even say Christmas or <laughs> or um, she, she couldn't say Yankees fan. So ha- having her say Happy Hanukkah was probably going <laughs> right. to be a very lost effort. It was going to be difficult. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you see any any good Christmas movies or anything like that over the weekend? I had not watched Jingle All the Way in uh, a year, and I forgot that it is one of my favorite Christmas movies ever. See, I don't know about you and your movie selections. First of all, I don't even know what that is. Jingle All the Way? I've never even... Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Definitely not seen it. Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come on. Nah. That one's not in my... That one's definitely not in my Christmas movie, like, repertoire. It's not going on... It's not going on the television in my house. I haven't seen... I don't think I've... Now that you're saying that it's Sinbad and and Schwarzenegger, I kind of remember... I kind of remember it. But, um... No, I don't think I've seen it. Or if I have, I don't remember it. It's an all-time classic. Yeah. We actually, the Christmas movies weren't on as much. There was, there was a lot more music. And, I noticed uh, that. Yeah. And the other, uh, like the old school uh, Frosty the Snowman was on for the kids, the cartoon, which is a classic. But that yeah. was it. I saw Star Wars. Did you, uh, did you like it? Yeah. I liked it. I, I put it on Twitter. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. And I, I guess the expectations from last year. So, a little spoiler, if you haven't seen this, fast forward a little bit. But the um, if you haven't seen the movie. But the last year's was way better, I thought. Like way better. This year yeah. probably because we didn't know the story and it's a it's it's kind of a diversion off of the the main story. Uh, after I after I saw it and like thought more about like what happened and like how it was a whole setup to Star Wars, it's 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 really cool, like what went down and how it happened. There were some very creepy CGI effects that I really didn't like. Like <laughs> I did not like the ending. I'm not going to say what it is, but I. Why we already said spoilers. Princess yeah. Leia comes up CGI. She looks like a, a complete robot. Yeah, it, she it looks. Is... She looks like uh, uh, she looks like she died, and they. She was in the morgue, and they like put yes. makeup on her. That's what she looks like. It's, exactly. Like it's it was very She's, strange. She looks stuffed at that point. And I'm pretty sure that's why Carrie Fisher had a heart attack when she saw herself <laughs> as CGI on the big screen. That was it. She's like, well, I what I was worried this. about is that we were going to lose Carrie Fisher, like we lost George Michael, and then in uh, next year's Star Wars, they were going to have to do a whole CGI of Carrie Fisher, the old version. Oh, and if you thought the, the young version, version was terrifying, 
<laughs> CGI old version <laughs> Carrie Fisher would have killed people. Yeah, no, that's true. It was it was strange. And then the old dude, the uh, the the colonel or whatever his the captain or whatever his, his yeah. rank is in the Imperial Moff Tarkin. Yeah, that was uh, that one actually looked a lot better. I thought he looked pretty. Because I think originally he looked almost dead anyway, so so like this one wasn't that far off. He looked CGI as a human, so yeah. it, it wasn't that much of an adjustment. Yeah, but the Carrie Fisher one was—it was a setup too. Like you know, you knew it was her, and then they're like, you're just waiting for them to pan around, and like, oh. There so, she is. my thing with the movie is, I agree with you that it was—it was just okay, and I think that because it's getting pretty positive reviews among people. And I think if not for the ending scene with Darth Vader lighting people up in that hallway that sent nerds into orgasm cro- orgasms across the country, I don't think people would have liked the movie. Yeah. I mean, were they – is it getting positive reviews in like the nerd Star Wars community or just in yes. the general public? Both. Yeah. I was, I, was, I was thinking about this too. Like how, how many hours is it for, for like a nerd room, like a bunch of nerds just sitting in the back like war room, making sure that all the little aspects of the stories line up because – because it's you know it's a diversion off of the the main course of stories. Like you know, yeah. people on the internet are making sure every single thing. <clears throat> so they had to have done. They have had to audit this script like five thousand times. Absolutely, it's like uh, making a murderer with the with the ropes attached, the strings attached on the chalkboard across, trying yeah. to connect the dots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right, right, yeah. So it's it's um, kudos to them for for getting because I thought it was good. I thought the whole storyline was pretty cool and everything was. I thought it was good. I, there were just a lot of repeats as far as storylines and like similar scenarios and like the fact that she, her parents died and she was like taken. I don't know. I feel like it, that's been repeated so many times in the Star Wars trilogy or the Star Wars. You know, we're we're mocking this, the Star Wars nerds, yet we are the biggest One of them. Oh, baseball Yankee nerds out there. And we do the same thing just for something that's less stereotypically nerdy. It's true. No, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> We don't have to wait years for our next one to come out, though. At least, I mean, it's on every single year. Hundreds. It's, it's on a lot. So, yeah. You know. So sometimes that's a bad thing. Hey, I got no problems with nerds. Nerds all across the world are fine. Whatever you're nerding out on, I'm good with it. As long as you don't, just don't bring in a whole bunch of numbers and make my head spin. That's, that's, where, I, that's where I lose it. <laughs> all right. So last week I called for more reviews and more ratings as I do every week. And I appreciate it because we are almost at our goal, which I set as 150 ratings and 100 reviews by the new year. We're a few days away from that. We're at 145 ratings, 98 reviews. They're all positive, which I love to see. It's honestly, it honestly genuinely makes me feel really good when I read the reviews of people saying they enjoy the podcast. It's one of those things that we put this out there and we just hope people listen. Right. And to get positive feedback is really uh, a great compliment to both Scott and I. So we do appreciate that. There are a lot of mentions of Chase Headley. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to think that maybe some of them may actually be real. And I'm now a little bit worried that Chase Headley is on to me. But other than that, thank you guys for all the, the ratings of the podcast. We got five more to go to reach our goal of 150 by the end of the year. But um, I just think I, I can speak for both Scott and I when we say thank you guys for, for doing that. Yeah, definitely. All I wanted for Christmas was, were, were some reviews, and they delivered. All right, so Scott, I woke up pretty early Monday morning. I had the day off. It was, it was the observed holiday for Christmas, um, so I was not working. But uh, the Yes Network was showing 1996 Game 1 ALCS, the Jeffrey Mayer game. Right. And uh, I got into it like it was live. Um, I put the thing on. It was it was the seventh inning when I put it on. So the Jeffrey Mayer catch, 
came up in the eighth inning. I mean, it was when you see it happen live and the reactions of the Orioles, I I almost felt bad because it was 100% going to be caught by Tarasco at the wall. And I used to say, oh, it would have gone off the wall for a double. That thing was going to get caught. I would have been ape shit if I was an Orioles fan. So I, I kind of, looking back on it 20 years later, felt a little bad. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? If, if that happened today, it would have been called an out because of all the yes. replay and, and the, the contingencies that they have to override the, the human error. Yeah, the ball was definitely going to be short of the, of, the, of the wall. At least the base, it was going to be short of the top of the wall. And Tarasco's glove was like right there. So, I mean, he, he was getting pretty high on the wall anyway. Um, but yeah, it was going to be caught for sure. Jeffrey Mayer definitely, definitely stole that home run. And I'm so glad he did. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it's turned the whole series around. It was game one. It changed the momentum. The Yankees won it in extras on a Bernie Williams home run. Another thing that was funny though, in the, I think it was the 10th inning, somebody hit a fly ball down the right field line for the Yankees and it was in foul territory and Tarasco went up, climbed the wall and another fan reached over and stole it from him. That's so it happened twice in the game. Obviously no one remembers the second one because it was a, a foul pop-up, but um, it's just tremendous work by the Yankee stadium fans in that game. Yeah. I mean, you know, I get angry. I think when people, when the, when the players of the other team go towards the stands and then people get out of the way. Look, if that guy, if that ball is over the line and it's in the stands, that's your ball. If it's close and it's the other team trying to catch it, go for the ball. I mean, that's your ball. Well, that's, now you get kicked out. Yeah, it's I don't know if you do get I think you get kicked out if it's if it's blatant or if you're like falling onto the onto the uh the field. If you're just going after it and it's close, I don't think you get kicked out. Um, if it's a borderline, you should go after. Just don't fall onto the field. If you fall onto the field and you're going that far, you're going to get booted. Well, that's why Bartman was was such a tragic story because he didn't even reach over. He just he just went up for the ball and right. it, it basically fell on his lap. Yeah. Um, that Orioles lineup was, and I put this out on Twitter, just a gauntlet of steroid users. It was hilarious to listen to John Sterling and Michael Kay because they dubbed that audio in over over the um, the actual game fo- footage. Talk about Brady Anderson's fifty home runs like he just had a breakout season. Um, and oh, Brady Anderson's on deck, and we know he you know he had such a great nineteen ninety six season. He can hit the ball out. One of those, and uh, to look back on that is hilarious. They had Todd Zeal on that lineup. They had. Rafael Palmero in that lineup, Roberto Alomar, Cal Ripken Jr., just just the poster boys for steroids of that era. You're putting Ripken in that category? In the... Oh, hell yeah. Oh, really? How else do you play 2,000 games in a row? <clears throat> I don't know. Ask Lou Gehrig. <laughs> I mean, he he did a lot of games without um, – they were probably – who knows what the hell they were taking. But I'm not putting – Whiskey. Ri- I can't put whiskey, you know, whiskey back then. Whiskey, tobacco, and – I can't put uh, – Hot dogs. Ri- and hot dogs. I can't put Ripken in that category. I just can't do that. I can. I <laughs> think you, no you lump everybody into that category, though. I sure. mean, if you're, if you're, I mean, I'll go there. If you're putting Ripken in there, you're putting everybody who played on the Yankees there too. Sure, yeah, hundred so percent. I, I, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I can't. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's. I don't think that's totally fair. But I, I think Ripken, Ripken certainly does not 
you know, doesn't doesn't come across as a as a steroid guy to me. So Ripken was in that locker room with Palmero and Brady Anderson, and he didn't get curious, saying, "Hey, what are you guys shooting into each other's butts?" That no, he did. Curious. He did get curious, and he and he shook his head and said, "That's unbelievable. I can't believe you're doing it." Right, because he's, he's, but he's a good nice baseball guy. clubhouse guy that didn't say anything. I have a lot All of respect right. for Cal Ripken. He's terrible on the TBS broadcast in the postseason now. Well, they have a clown show of people that they're doing. They're trying to like. They're trying to put squares in, in round holes in that in that in that broadcast. It's a strange. He's just thing. so boring. Yeah, he's got a lot of baseball knowledge though. The guys, uh, I like hearing him talk when he's talking to someone who can control the conversation and put him in good places. Um, it was a fun game though to watch, even twenty years later. Um, I don't think I'd ever sat down and watched it. I've seen the highlights of the Jeffrey Mayer home run a million times, but that was really it. Um, God, Jeter, like they were showing Jeter and Pettit and. They just look like babies. It was insane. Yeah. They Made were, me feel old. They were young. I was 16. <clears throat> I was eight. There you go. Um, so I was so, – so there's not really much going on with the Yankees since <laughs> really? over the last week. <laughs> in case anybody hasn't realized, there has – nothing has happened in two weeks. Nothing. So, so yeah. So we're grasping. We're, we're, we're digging for stories here. Um, I did read a few things over the past few days that were interesting. One being that Brian Hawk wrote that the, the Yankees seem content with only adding Matt Holliday to the lineup as being their offensive um, additions this offseason. Yeah. And, and what he did was he kind of related it to the importance of Greg Bird, which I found interesting. I, I think Greg Bird is an important factor for them Next year, I'm not ready to declare him the X factor. That'll come in February, as we already discussed. I need to see what the roster looks like in spring training before I can put an X factor stamp on somebody. But he really speaks to the fact that Bird, who had a great 2015, will be a left-handed hitter in between Sanchez and Holiday, most likely in the lineup. He really is an important part to this lineup next year. Yeah, and there's no doubt. I mean, he's going to be protection for both of those guys, I think. And if he can come back and swing the bat like he did at the end of the year, then then he's going to be an important piece. I mean, I I, I can if I were to put odds out, uh, they would be pretty high on you labeling your X factor as Greg Bird. If we're looking at what this roster is currently, because so because I he's, have three he, people in mind right now for the X factor. Yeah, I mean, but he I mean, the offense was such a struggle last year. If he is a guy who can come in, provide some power, hit twenty home runs, hit for a decent average, uh, get on base, you know, work the count. I think this is a guy that that is going to be a huge factor in this uh, in this lineup and. You know, no, going into the the off season, we knew the Yankees were going to add a bat in the DH spot. That was the that was the need. That was the spot they were going. So the fact that um, that the Yankees are content with Holiday being their main offensive addition, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I knew they were going to go out and get one dude uh, because everywhere else really is a competition at this point for for the younger guys. Any of the the uh, the spots that are you know relatively open are are going to be competition for the young guys. Yeah, I, I think. Um... They're content with Holiday being what he was last year, which is average at the plate. Basically what Brian McCann would have given them. Um, I think that they, they're not expecting a ton from him is what I kind of read into this. Um, it's a one-year deal. It's a no-risk scenario. So I, I, I don't think that Brian Cashman has much to worry about with Matt Holiday. If he stinks, they move on. Um, as far as Greg Bird and the other young guys, Greg Bird, Gary Sanchez – um, and Aaron Judge are, are, are sort of the three main offensive pieces that are the young guys. I would 
honestly say Greg Bird is the X factor of those three, not making him the X factor of the whole team. Um, everyone's going to have high expectations for Gary Sanchez. I think that's a little risky. Everyone seems to be a little low on Aaron Judge. Wouldn't you say that the, the expectations for him are kind of near the basement at this point? There's no doubt. If you're talking to a Yankee fan if of, of any of the prospects, the, the guy that everybody's most soured on is Aaron Judge. And, you know, that's a little unfair to, to the point that he was struggling so horribly at the end of the year. He was. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. The guy was swinging and missing. He got hurt. Maybe the injury played into it a little bit more. I, I think they just they saw an opportunity to put him on the DL after he was struggling so much, and they took that opportunity. But again, you know, we've, we've said this 100 times. You've probably heard it 100 times from 100 different people. Every single time Aaron Judge has moved up in class, whether it's single A, double A, triple A, major leagues, the very beginning of that stint in the beginning of his – uh, of that adjustment has always been a struggle and it seems to take him a little bit longer I mean the guy's a massive human being he's got a bigger strike zone he's got to get used to the pitching he's going to get a lot more curveballs in the majors than he did in the minor leagues that's for sure because there's guys who can throw them and and locate them um, so he's got to make those adjustments now and and I think that's that's what we're looking for we're going to be looking for how he adjusts in spring training and then that first month two months into the season can Aaron Judge make the adjustment to major league pitching lay off the balls out of the the uh, the strike zone that's massive and and I, I guess lay off more breaking balls because I think that's what he has to do I think he has to lay off more breaking balls and, and take more of an approach where he's looking for something in his zone and then attack I think he's in a good spot though as far as pressure yeah. I think he there's no pressure on him next year I mean there's, a there's pressure, pressure on him on his own personal pressure to succeed but as far as the the team's success and as far as uh, working out as a prospect, he is no longer the face of the Yankees' prospects. And I think maybe a year, year and a half ago, he kind of was. Yeah. There's so many other guys that we have higher expectations for at this point. So he can just do him and, and, and see where it goes. And I think that's actually a good spot for him. Yeah, just do you, kid. Do you, kid. He's a <laughs> – he's. I mean, it's a big year for him, though, because you were – Obviously, he's an older he's an older prospect, quote prospect, yeah. and so he he's running out of time to um, and that's that sounds so terrible because he's a young dude. Was he 25, 24? He's going to be twenty five. He'll be twenty five in twenty seventeen season. Yeah. So when, when you're talking about baseball players, unfortunately, twenty five is is getting you know right in the meat of your prime. I mean, if you're not there by twenty five, twenty six years old, then chances are you're not going to be there. And so this is a big year for him, you know, for his career. I, I think that the Yankees will have a, a longer leash, but you know, if, if he has a bad year, there's no reason and there's no no saying that he's gonna you know, he could continue on this team. I mean they could get rid of him. I mean, you, he's not a guy like you were saying, he's not the face of the of the prospect system anymore. So he's not gonna make or break the long term success of this team, I think. Well you say twenty five is getting to the meat of your prime and you that's sort of your make or break time. You gotta remember uh, David Ortiz didn't really start to be good until 27 years old, and it was because <laughs> of just a lot of hard work and dedication to right. his craft. Yeah, um, he put he in hours Minnesota. and hours and hours. Yep, he left Minnesota where he was struggling to just stay on the roster, and he went to Boston, which is a right-handed hitter's park, and started hitting 50 home runs a year. Yeah, it's a I little mean, warmer in Boston, a little warmer, yeah. so he's nice, good on his bones. Exactly. He he, Manny Ramirez, who's just the straightest and narrowest guy. He's the he's he did, never does anything wrong. Taught David Ortiz how to be a good hitter. That's he, that's how it all happened. Lots of good tips in the box. Yep, yep. Um, but Judge, you're right though. You said um, 
that if they move on from Aaron Judge, people, I think, would no longer be super pissed. And I think a year ago they would have. And that's a shame, too, because, I mean, this is the guy that we really, really want. And look, and I'm not, I'm not down on him yet because I, I think it's way too no. early to be down on him. I think Aaron Judge needs a, a full season. I think he needs a full spring training where he's the guy. And, I mean, he is the guy. Right field is his job right now. It's going to be his job until he either loses the job or someone just comes out and just lights it up and, and you know, if, if Aaron Hicks truly does become Jackie Bradley Jr., as everybody has been talking about. Dude, that ship has sailed a long time ago. I, I still like talking about it. I think it's funny to, to, to refer to because it's such a ridiculous comparison. But um, it's Judge's job, basically. It's Judge's job to lose, and he's going to have a, a good amount of time to, to straighten the ship. So I hope he does, and I, I'm definitely not down on him as a, uh, as a long-term player. He'll be he'll be towards the bottom of the lineup, seventh, mm-hmm. maybe even eighth in the lineup, which mm-hmm. is not where you'd think a six seven beast would be. But that's where he's going to be if he hits. He'll be moved up. But uh, it's it's just I just think that he's in a good spot where he can kind of fly under the radar. If he gets off to a slow start, I don't think people are going to be all over him like they they would have been if he's the only prospect. So I I just think it's a long way of saying I'm actually excited for Judge's season. I think I think he's in a good spot. Um. Another thing that I read over the weekend, which kind of pissed me off, uh, surprise, surprise, is that Girardi was quoted as saying Michael Pineda's numbers last year were mind-boggling and that he suffered from bad luck. And I wouldn't call what Pineda had bad luck. Bad luck is when you're playing blackjack and you have 20 and the dealer flops a blackjack 21, and that's annoying. That's bad luck. Pineda, who uh, had the worst seventh worst ERA in the league and gave up a 3.39 batting average against, is not that's not bad luck to me. That's just being bad. Nathan Ovaldi had bad luck with those ground balls going through the infield. My boy had bad luck. Michael Pineda is a basket case, a mental a mental patient that has escaped from Bellevue. He is a dude that cannot handle. One inning after another, after another, after another, because a different dude comes out of the bowl, out of the uh, the dugout to start the inning. Yes, he's dominant when he's on. When he's on, he's probably one of the best pitchers in the American League. I mean, when his stuff is right, he's filthy and extremely hard to hit. But when he's off, he's terrible. His his mind gets in his way. He he just he's not mentally tough, and he leaves breaking balls dead in the center of the of the zone, and they get and they get taken out of the ballpark. That's his his. The fact that, that Girardi is saying he's unlucky, is uh, it just doesn't make sense because he's, he's, a, he's a tale of two different pitchers. I hate when – there's nothing I hate more when uh, managers, coaches, GMs, whatever it may be, are disingenuous. And to me, saying this is just bad luck uh, is disingenuous. And it's not calling what Pineda is, which is, like you said – He's inconsistent in, basket case. If, if and, Girardi came out and said, "Look, he's in, he needs to be more consistent. He's been inconsistent when he's on. He's on when he's in, when he's off. That's when he, mistakes are made, and that's why his uh, he has a blow DRA." Boom! That's a truth statement right there. That's a that's exactly yeah. what you need to say about a guy who has great stuff, but is not consistently. You know, uh, whether it's whether it's not repeating the mechanics of the good Pineda and and falling off into just bad habits or just mentally not not being, you know, not being able to shut down a guy. Because how many times did he leave a, an 0-2 breaking ball or a 1-2 breaking ball up in the zone that was hit hard? I mean, it was it was exactly. too many times where he was in control of an at bat that he couldn't put a guy away and he has stuff to put a guy away. No doubt. And his some of his numbers do prove that his K to walk percentage was one of the best in the league, but 
like I said, he he couldn't put it all together, and that to me is not bad luck. That's a hundred percent on him. Yeah. Maybe he'll use my Christmas gift, which is sports psychology for dummies. It's a good and one. I you should put read that it. to good use. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I Amazon primed it to him. So, so did you get the Spanish? Ver- did you get the the Spanish version so that no, you can I, read it? I, I got the Portuguese version. Hopefully, he he can translate. But it was on sale, so I figured I'd get that one. Yeah. Well, probably not. He's not going to read that book now. <laughs> um, but, but like you were saying that, um, and Girardi sometimes does this where he doesn't, where he, he, um, kind of is like a bold faced lie to the media or when he's talking about his players, he doesn't just call it what it is. And I understand there is some protection involved with your players when you're speaking directly after a game. If your player goes out there and has four strikeouts in the night and leaves a bunch of runners on base or he makes a huge error and he wants to protect his players. I get that. But we're in the middle of December. It is the off season. I don't think Michael Pineda needs to be protected at this point. He can just be challenged and Girardi can say what he really thinks, which hopefully isn't that it's just bad luck. Um, but yeah, because Pineda's got one more year in this. Then he's a free agent. Yeah, he's got one more year to prove that he can actually put it all together and, and be that guy that people thought he was when he was a prospect. Or that, you know, when, that first year when he came up with Seattle, when he was just a dominant pitcher. It was, the, was, it like, it was the tail end of the year, if I remember correctly. But he he's a guy that needs to put it together. And now, I mean, it, one, his paycheck's going to be dependent on it. Because if he could put together a good year, actually, it doesn't really matter. It's Major League Baseball. If you have an arm and you could throw over the plate occasionally, you'll get a giant contract. Ivan Nova got, what yeah. was it, like $30 million guaranteed? So oh, that just made my skin crawl. The, well, uh, don't you remember that Ken Rosenthal tweeted that one GM predicted seventy-five million for Ivan Nova? So at least that didn't happen. Thirty million over three seasons, or I think it was uh, maybe actually over two seasons, seems a little bit more in line with what Ivan Nova is. Yeah, I guess it's just Pineda could be in line for a, a giant payday if he put together a really good year. I mean, he could be in line for a very big payday. So he's got a lot riding on this year. So that's a good thing for our team. Yeah, and that's why uh, Cashman has been receiving calls on Pineda, and there's just no way he's going to trade him because he'd be selling for pennies on the dollar at yeah. this point. And there's no point in that. You either are going to lose him at the end of the year because he's still bad. Or you get a really good season out of him because he is pitching his brains out for a good contract. And that's Um, something to think about, actually. I mean, if this guy has a really, really good first half of the year and he is a free agent going in, sell high at the trade deadline, (laughs) that's a guy that you might be able to – I mean, if he has a a really good beginning of the year, people very well could think that the whole Brady Anderson effect, he's really breaking out, this is it, and and, uh, take that – you know, take that chance on a on a guy that's still young enough and throws hard and has dominant stuff. I mean, that's a guy that's that's appealing. Well, it's just it's it's a scary proposition because if he if he has a solid year this year, what do you do with him? How, how many, so high, how, dude. So high. No, but but what, do you resign him if they keep him the whole year? If he's having a good year and the Yankees are in a pennant race, they're not going to trade him. But what do you do with that guy? I mean. A.J. Burnett, who is very similar to Michael Pineda as far as inconsistency, got 70 million bucks from the Yankees or whatever it was yeah. over four or five seasons. It's like how I would be, feel so scared committing to Pineda for a long-term contract. No, it's fool's gold. I, there's no way. If he puts it together for the first half of the year, that would be lucky, Mr. Girardi. <laughs> that would be lucky because if he does do that, I really, really hope – that Brian Cashman gets very excited and goes out and just fleeces somebody because that's that's what needs to happen. Don't trust it. Do not trust it. 
Well, hopefully the GM that is getting fleeced does not listen to this podcast because we just told them the master plan. <laughs> um, I want to close the loop on some Quintana stuff. Not close the loop, but just um, continue the discussion from, I think it was last week when the rumor surfaced that the Yankees were interested in Jose Quintana. Um, reports recently came out that the Yankees will not trade Clint Frazier or Gleyber Torres for Quintana. And let's face it, if those two guys, one of those two guys are not in the deal, I don't think they're getting Quintana. So that's why I say closed loop. I don't think the Yankees are going to be trading for Quintana. No, I agree. I think they're, the asking price is too high. And this is kind of what we were saying when we saw what happened with Sale. I mean, the, the White Sox are getting whatever the heck they want at this point. And they would be coming in and asking for the world. I mean, the, the two names that are going to be on the top of the list are Clint Frazier and, and Torres and Gleyber Torres. So the, it's a no off the bat. But um, yeah, there's been, there's been even other rumors too about like three-team trades with McCutcheon going to the Yankees and Quintana going to it's the somebody, Pirates. Yeah, and, somebody got stoned and just threw that out yeah, there. Yeah, Blake Rutherford <laughs> and Miguel Anduar and like all sorts of dudes going out. And uh, yeah, I don't, McCutcheon makes zero sense for this team right now. But um yeah, so the, the I don't think they're I think the White Sox are in an interesting position though. I, I said this last week, and I think you disagreed with me in the sense that they wouldn't be selling him just to get rid of him at this point. But you know, I, to me, Quintana, the White Sox, and yeah, Quintana? to Quintana, right? I, I think I agree. I, I think now is is still the, a great time to get rid of him, um, and they're but they're realizing that their their hands are on the on the table now. They're 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 exposed a little bit in the sense that they everybody now knows that they're going to be going for. Uh, super high prospects and no one's going to give it to them. So they either have to sit back and take a little bit less, something that's probably a little bit more reasonable, or or they have to wait and and hope that he has another really good first half or because it'll be probably be a first half that they'll they'll look to trade him again at the deadline. Um so it'll be interesting, but I was I was to the I, I was thinking that the the White Sox if they can get a decent something decent, maybe not exactly what they want, but something very good right now that they will get they will sell him a little bit lower. Um, it was funny. I was, and this proves your point um, that you made last week. I was talking to my dad over the weekend about Quintana, and he's like, "I would actually love to see the Yankees trade for him." And I said, "Oh, so you're comfortable giving up Clint Frazier or Gleyber Torres?" He said, uh, "He said yes because they need starting pitching, and he takes after or I take after him. He does not trust Masahiro Tanaka one bit." Right. And I said, oh, "Okay." And then I said, "You know he, that Quintana was in the Yankee system back in 2010," and he goes. Wait, really? Never mind. <laughs> so it's 100% what you were saying, that as soon as you learn that little tidbit, you no longer want them. Yeah, it mentally changes it because then, then you're getting handed your own, your own bag of goods and you have to give up, well, your own bag of goods. It's like you're, you're trading your money for money it's, it's, uh, yep. and you're giving more to the other people. It's, I don't know. It's, just, it's a tough pill to swallow to, to give up one of the guys that you, you just traded for, you know, a big trade and is one of the top prospects in baseball at this point. So, no, nah, it's just not going to happen. I, I think there's too much egg on a face if that were to, if that were to occur. I do have a, a, a close friend who is a giant White Sox fan, and um, for the last month he's just been complaining about the Cubs winning the World Series. But now that the White Sox started to make some moves, he's tweeting me or he's uh, texting me, about Quintana because he thinks the Yankees are a perfect fit. And he actually thinks that Quintana will be better than Sale over the next three seasons. He says, if I were making a trade for one of those two guys, I would feel more comfortable giving up top prospects for Quintana because he has lower risk of injury and his stuff um, has not decreased over the last season 
unlike Sale. So and, that was just that, interesting. Is that a giant psycho who who rips apart and cuts your the jerseys <laughs> on because he doesn't want to wear it because it's too hot. And he, uh, he, so he actually, my my buddy did not care about that. He he was on sale side. He hates the White Sox ownership and management, so he didn't really care about that. It's um, it's still a ridiculous move before the game. I mean, he put the rest of his teammates in a position where they they had to throw some dude, uh, you know, another guy when it was his his uh, turn in the rotation. So it's not just a, an ownership thing. Like to me, that's a guy who doesn't give a rat's ass about his teammates either. And is just going to do whatever he wants. There was a temper tantrum. He's, he's a, he's, he's a train wreck waiting to happen. And I can't, I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> well, so that's why so Quintana is more like the stable figure yeah, exactly. in, that, in that rotation. So he's a safer bet kind of. I agree. I, I think, I think uh, that, I mean, just looking at the two pitchers, I think Quintana's going to have a longer career. I think he's, uh, you know, he's a guy who I think is a lot more consistent. Sale is just well, he started later. Yeah, that's one thing we got. I mean, Sale's been pitching since he was 22 years old in the major leagues. Quintana, who is the same age as Sale, didn't come up until he was 25, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's still he didn't pitching. Really start to break out until he was 25. Yeah, I mean, these guys are still throwing innings, but the still throwing innings. But <laughs> there's a lot more stress on like Sale when he's 21, 22 years old. And he is the White Sox ace versus Quintana, who's just trying to claw his way to the major leagues. Yeah, I guess so. I just don't like the way that Chris Hill. I mean, I've I've talked about my my uh, when I, I put my nerd glasses on and I start talking about mechanics and the way he throws. It's just that that arm action just doesn't look like it's going to be a long career. It looks like he's going to have a devastating arm injury at like any second. That's that's well, some what I guys. Say. Yeah, I mean, it, that's what it looks like to the to the naked eye. But some guys just don't. Some guys are just like. Um, Remember David Wells? He, was, he bragged about how he never had any arm injuries, and then he had a back injury in, in the World Series, but that's neither here nor there. But David Wells, he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't bother. Um, you know, I don't have this, all the injuries that some of these other pitchers have. My, I have a rubber arm. So well, some no, guys he, just have rubber arms. He was just drunk. <laughs> he just couldn't feel it. He couldn't feel it. Yeah. That's also a good strategy. Yeah, though. just get drunk. That's, it, that was the – that is what Lou Gehrig was able to play 2,000 games on. He just got drunk, so he didn't feel all of his injuries. Yeah, I mean, you throw, Whereas, you throw to the catcher's men enough Kyle times, you kind of know. Steroids. You kind of know where it's going to go. You know, Wellsler, he knows where the ball is going to go. He just, he's, it's like muscle memory at that point. So, just, you know, just got to drink away the injuries. And plus, Wells was a bigger dude. He didn't throw like, he definitely didn't throw like sail through. It's, it's, no. it's the torque on that elbow. I'm telling you. His I'll elbow, just elbow is going to explode. I'll never forget that it was like uh, a couple weeks before his start in the 03 World Series. He was going to start game four. He was bragging about how he never goes on the DL and that he's got a rubber arm. And then before game four of the 2003 World Series, he's scratched with a back injury. It's like, you, you fat piece of crap. He also had gout. (laughs) Right. Well, that that (laughs) gout is something you get because you don't eat healthy. Right. Yeah. It's directly related to unhealthy eating and alcohol. Still, so want, you know, pick which one you want. You want you want arm injuries. You want gout. Having said all that, I am still open to go get plastered with David Cohn and David Wells. Oh, no doubt, that would be a great, great evening. Um, they, they could just drink me under the table, though. Yeah, it would turn into a weekend. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else you want to uh, say about Quintana? No, I don't want them to touch it. I think he should stay away. It's it's uh, it's too high. Let's. It's a it's it's a no win for us in in my opinion at this point. Um, we got one mailbag from Clint Hawker. Um, it's asking about Gardner. He says, "Who do you think we could get for Gardner? Also, do you think it's more likely he gets traded this offseason or at the trade deadline?" 
I don't really have much more to say about Brett Gardner. I feel like you and I have beat it into the ground at this point. Um, but it still like seems like the only move the Yankees will make this offseason if they do make another move. Um, I don't think he will be traded at the deadline. If he is traded, I think he will be traded this offseason. I just wouldn't get too excited about what you're going to get back for him. I, I honestly would see it being similar to what they got back for Brian McCann. Two prospects you've never heard of. One guy who has upside, one guy who's kind of a middling prospect, um, and hopefully you don't have to eat any of the money, which I don't think you will on Brett Gardner. That's exactly what it is. I mean, the market has pretty much set itself too for him. I mean, there's nothing that's that's jumping out at Cashman saying, hey, this is a great trade. So I think that that definitely dries up the market for a player too and kind of puts you in a position where if someone comes with a decent offer, then... You know, if you do want to get rid of him, and that's that's the big thing. I mean, if if it's worth it at that point, then then they will. But I, I think the well, one team you want to look be... at is the Giants. I think the Giants yeah. are probably the the one team that they could potentially still make a deal. I, I don't see a great fit anywhere else. I feel like that Brian Cashman would only be trading Gardner. The main reason he'd be trading Gardner is so that Clint Frazier is not blocked if he want if he calls him up in June or July. Now, what if somebody has a hot spring training? Do you do you see him as a as a guy maybe that that he gets he and someone has an injury or something in spring training, uh, some something happened around that time that 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 does happen occasionally. What do you mean, like if Gardner gets an injury? No, if another team and, and if uh, if we have some oh, some prospects, yeah. we have some of the guys you know with a really really good spring training. They're swinging the bat well, and and let's say the whoever the the the, the stopgap in left field for the San Francisco Giants goes down or is struggling badly. I could see yeah. that that type of thing going down. Oh, I don't think I, I think that Cashman would trade Gardner at any point. I think that if spring training starts and Gardner's still on the roster, I don't think that's Cashman saying, "Well, we got Gardner for the season." I think he would trade him in as late as the day before the season. Yeah, no, I agree. I, that's what I'm I'm saying as far as a scenario. I mean, if he's not traded in the next you know thirty days, not I mean less than that. If he's not traded in the next fifteen to twenty days, I'd say he's he's probably going to start the, the spring training with the Yankees. But again, I, there's so many things that happen in spring training with uh, with with players. Obviously, injuries happen. Uh, guys aren't aren't living up to expectations. Of what, they're not swinging the bat like they thought they were. So, I think then then you're going to see more scenarios that may pop up for for Brett Gardner before the season starts. Um, well, we've also got a couple more free agents to go off the board. So Encarnacion signed with the Indians. Um, that's actually, I thought, a great signing for them. Yeah. Uh, but Bautista's still out there. He's an outfielder. Trumbo's still out there. He can play the outfield. So there's a couple more outfielders where um, maybe the Giants are looking at one of those guys, in the, and if they don't sign them, then their next option would be to trade for a guy like Brett Gardner. Yeah, and those guys are gonna definitely. I mean, Batista. There's rumors now that he's looking. He could go for a one year deal and and just uh, you know try well, so to play into another contract. Take, yeah, why wouldn't he just take the qualifying offer from uh, from the Blue Jays at that point for like seventeen and a half million? Well, it's bucks. too late. He already turned it down, right? So he can't. He can't that's go. Back, he can't go back and get it now. That's kind of what happened to Ian Desmond. Ian Desmond yep. got a whole bunch of money uh, in the qualifying offer. He turned it down, and then. Um, he actually now is earning less in Colorado than that. He had a big deal in in in, uh, in Washington for him. And Carrasion also turned down a deal and got a. He had a four year deal by the Blue Jays last year, right? And then he turned that down and got a three year deal for for less money. It was I think twenty million dollars. Fourth, yeah. fourth year option. Yeah. 
So, he's making what, like twenty two point five mil a year next yeah, year. It was twenty plus. It was around twenty. Yeah. So it's it's a good. I mean, it's a good deal for both of them. I'm, I'm surprised he got as much as he did. Honestly, at this point, uh, I thought that it was going to be driven down a little bit more. Um, but the fact that the Indians bolstered that lineup now with with him and they got their pitching coming back, I mean, they they are they are very much into contention to get back to, to where they were. So yeah, I mean they were I mean they're losing Napoli, but I mean Encarnacion I mean, is a gigantic upgrade over yeah. Mike Napoli. Uh, and they'll have Brantley back. So right. absolutely. Yeah, they're gonna get better. They're they're actually now that you're saying that and I'm thinking about it more, they're gonna be a much better team going yeah. into next year than they were ending last year because of and all the that pitching division, and Brantley. That division stinks. Mm-hmm. So they're going to run away the, with that division. The Indians should win a hell of a lot of ball games next year. Um, I had one more thing to say about Gardner um, uh, about uh, if the Yankees would trade him or not, um, but now I can't remember it. So keep talking, and maybe I'll remember. Well, <laughs> you know, the fact that Trumbo hasn't gotten a, a deal too, I think, is very interesting because I don't. I think people are, are not really believing what he was last year. The fact that he hit all those home runs and. And was able to to really have a, a a very good year. I mean, he had a much better year than anybody. He was the he was the guy who who made um, the the signing. Who's the guy who went to Seattle? I can't think of his name right now. Cruz. Yeah, Nelson Cruz. Thank you. Uh, when I when they lost Nelson Cruz, I thought that was going to be a really big problem for the Orioles, and I didn't think the Orioles lineup was going to be you know as 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 uh, as prominent or as powerful. But Trumbull slotted right in there and put up massive numbers. But I just think he's a guy who scares people. He can't play. He's a he's a liability in right field, and you know he's got to be in a good position where he he's in a good ballpark for his swing. He's got to strike out a ton. Um, so I, I think National League teams are are a little bit gun shy to give him you know a giant contract. And no pun intended. I think the Giants are one of those teams. Yeah, I would I would if I'm a National League team, I'm not touching um, Mark Trumbo. Just like I don't think that many National League teams were in on Encarnacion. Yeah, totally agree. That that the, the lack of DH is a big deal for those, especially when there's a uh, a qualifying offer attached to it, and there's draft picks, and there's there's a lot of different things that go into it. Yeah, um, I think though with with uh, with Brett Gardner, um, people saw what the Nationals gave up for Adam Eaton, and I think a lot of Yankee fans may have said, "Oh, we can get a good prospect for Brett Gardner," but I think that's. First of all, a weird scenario that happened with Adam Eaton for uh, Lucas Giolito. Um, and secondly, you're underestimating how good Adam Eaton is in that scenario. Brett Gardner is not the same player. He's older. He's not locked up. Or he is locked up, but so is Adam Eaton. So um, I would not use that as a basis for what the Yankees might get back for Gardner. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, an apples to apples, but it's, it's not that far off either. It's really not. It's. I mean, you're saying Adam Eaton's a, a much better player, but I mean, I guess he is a better he player. Is. So I there's mean, no he, doubt he's better. He's there's younger. so much risk. There's so much risk with Brett Gardner. I think Brett Gardner's ceiling is pretty close to Adam Eaton's. Say um, what Adam Eaton is, but his floor <laughs> is just as likely to happen as Brett Gardner's ceiling. And that's the thing with the you're talking about risk reward. I mean, the risk is pretty high for the Nationals in the sense that they gave up two. Two, uh, three, two really good prospects, and then a third prospect. I mean, that's that's a hell of a risk. I mean, they, they to me, they you know they they took the future of their organization and risked it with a guy named Adam Eaton, who 
can be a pain in the ass sometimes. Did, I mean, you, did you have somebody like in your past named Adam Eaton that may have like bullied no, you in honestly, high school dude, or something? I, don't even, I honestly don't know that much about Adam Eaton. And that was one of the biggest reasons I was scratching my head about him. Like, Are you confusing Adam Eaton with the Adam Eaton with, that played in like the late 90s? No, I know. The, uh, <laughs> early last year I did. Okay. That did happen at one point. You're like, wait, holy shit. That guy's still in the major leagues? I know. I'm talking about the Adam Eaton who wears, who wears Dracula mouth guards, is from Canada, and that guy. Yep. No, I'm just kidding. That's Brett Lowry. But the the fact I don't know Adam Eaton was on the same team, so he's probably got some Brett Lowry tendencies now. Um, he's just I don't know. He's just not an exciting player. So the 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 fact that he's not one of those big name guys, uh, he's not a guy who who puts up ga- you know gaudy numbers. I just it just didn't make sense. I just didn't understand what what the deal was with that. I I really didn't. Unless there's. They just everybody doesn't like Giolito now. That that that's the only thing I could think of is that his his prospect status had fallen so far, and everybody knew it. They had to get rid of him and get something. That's that's the only right. thing I could think of. Yeah, I just I, I'm just cautioning people that if the Yankees do trade Brett Gardner, you're most likely not going to recognize one of the prospect no. names. So uh, it's going to be. I, I honestly would say that it, the McCann deal is very very similar to what they could expect to get back for Gardner. And in that case, it would mainly be, I think, some roster clearing so that you can have the young kids come up without any uh, roadblocks uh, in front of them. And that's the so. only issue. I, I just don't think that Cashman's right there yet with, with Gardner in the sense that uh, McCann was a clear salary dump. He was a clear uh, a guy who didn't have a role on this team, whereas Gardner still kind of does have a role. He's not making you know enough money for them to need to dump him. Um, so I don't know. It's a different scenario in that sense. I, I agree with you that the return would be similar. Yeah. It's a, do you think the fact that Gardner is the longest tenured Yankee and he was homegrown has anything to do with Brian Cashman's um, willingness or approach to trading him? I guess there's there's got to be a little bit. There's there's it it seems like there's loyalty from the organization towards Brett Gardner. It does seem like there is the that underlying um sentiment to him so yeah i think that that has to play you know i think the yankees do think about those types of things uh, especially with their guys that come up through the system i think they they take that into consideration uh, i think being a yankee is is different than some of the other teams and i think that does play into it i mean he is he's been a good teammate he's been a great yankee or not a great yankee he's been a good yankee for a long time and um i don't think they want to you know you know, disrespect him in that sense, you know. So I think I think I think there is a respect factor there. Yes, he came up in two thousand eight. It's a long ass time ago. That was in the old Yankee Stadium. Yeah, so he's been he's around been, for a long time. Been 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 around a while. So, um, but uh, Clint, again, thank you for the mailbag. But we actually did talk about. I was going to say we didn't have anything to say, but we talked for like ten minutes about it. Uh, but um, I, I I think that if the Yankees do make another move this offseason, that would be the move. Um, so we'll see. Um, anything else you want to you want to touch on before we get out of here? That's it. It's been a good year. I know people have been down on 2016 from what you're telling me about the memes and things like that. And now that you've said it, I've been seeing a lot of these uh, a lot of the people being negative on the year. But you know what? I think there was a we had a good year with the show. Um, it's been it's been fun year. I think with the Yankees, it's a it's a Looking forward to, to, to 2017. I think we're going to have – it's going to be a very different year for the Yankees, and it's going to be a fun and exciting year. So I'm pumped up for it. I think it's a, it's a good way to, uh, to to close this out and, and move on to some some beautiful prospects coming up and, and living up to all of the expectations, every one of them. Absolutely. Um, you ready for a really corny joke? Go for it. We'll talk to you guys next year.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.